Jen Bosworth Ramirez. And I'm Gina Polici. We went to theater school together. We survived it, but we didn't quite understand it. 20 years later, we're digging deep, talking to our guests about their experiences and trying to make sense of it all. We survived theater school, and you will too. Are we famous yet? Uh, I figured. I, I feel like I don't know what day it is. I know. I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, and part of what's made it even weirder um, is that for whatever reason, I when I was setting up my kids' uh, day camps for the summer, mm-hmm. um, I failed to realize that this week, two of them are in opposite directions, each one hour away from my house. So I've been spending like six hours a day driving. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Now the good part, cause I was like trying to take advantage to the best of my ability of the time is I started to write um, some songs <gasps> I've always really been interested in writing songs um, and I've written a few, but I don't play music. I I don't know anything about like (laughs) writing and music. So I'm like, so I'm trying to work with my family who are mostly all musicians to get like to, to, to collaborate. That is so So cool. Yeah, it is so cool. Are you all writing songs while you drive the kids? Is that what's happening? Yeah, well, um, I am just sort of like thinking through themes and and ideas and how what I really love about good songwriting, modern good songwriting is mm-hmm. how it can vary up the cadence. My tendency is to be like, you know, like the, every, the rhyme scheme is yeah. all very the same. Yeah. And I too. love how people can be just unexpected and mix it up so that I'm is so that. awesome yeah I mean and something new to try so um speaking of songs I went for the first time to a rock show in two years um yay so Bexley was playing and um I'm not managing them, which is good, which is good. They okay. need, they need, I, I just, they need, they need uh, someone who knows and has a little bit more. Well, one, they didn't really want me to, they were like, you're a writer. Like what I, I am helping. Yeah. I'm helping. I'm being a helper. Yeah. But, um, okay. but anyway, so um, I went to their show and um, it was three bands and Bexley was p- playing last. And so I haven't been out past 10 p.m. in maybe you know out past 11 actually in like years so anyway we went to this venue in in um la like the arts district kind of downtown and um we helped sell their t-shirts which was really miles my husband and i did and which was really fun but what i noticed was you know the amount of i haven't performed in so long so long so i used to perform uh, like mostly reading my writing or in a play or whatever, like we know, but I, I, I haven't d- done that. So that was really interesting to watch. I was like, Oh, I miss that. I miss yeah. that. But the other thing bringing it to the song stuff is that like, 
I just have so much respect for artists that perform in front of other people that sing. And oh, yeah. I mean, it is, I always, I forgot because I haven't, because of the pandemic and I haven't seen it for so long and I haven't been to live music in so long, but I'm like, this is just like magic that this even can happen at all. That yeah. four people on a stage can, can come together, memorize, play the same thing with a lot of energy. It's loud. It's, it was just really beautiful to watch. But it also was like, wow, this is, I'm, a, I'm sort of become um, really interested in like, what does it take to, to have a good song, like, or a good writing or good whatever, like what makes, what is the magic that makes a song really work, or a, a piece of writing really work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know what that is, but I, you know it when you see it, you know, it's you undeniable. Just, that's that's totally all it undeniable. is. And my, my new barometer for everything is just based on this advice I got. It was advice I, it was, it was a, not advice somebody was giving me, but advice I absorbed somehow, Okay, which is simply that, and I think I've said on the podcast before, if you have heard it before, then don't write that. <laughs> right the oh. thing that you ha haven't heard right because it's so easy you've listened to 10 million songs in your life it's so easy to sit down and be like okay well songs usually go like this I mean I'm not talking about the structure I just mean if it's if it's you if if there's too much oh this is like this song this song this song and this song then then that means you don't really have something unique to say and you but there I is something that, unique in there. You just have to figure out what it is. Well, that's, I think you're right. I think that it is, same with writing, right? It's like, what is your take on this theme? Like you were talking about themes that is, oh, oh. And I was talking to someone else and saying like, why you, why now, why this, right? So like, that's what really what I'm asking myself about everything that I'm doing. Um, and, and then when I talk to like younger people or people that I may be mentoring in some way or so, I'm like, you, we got to get really clear on why, why you, why now, why this piece, why this project, why this thing? And it's like, those are really important questions to ask and I don't ask myself enough. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah, it's hard because sometimes you just start writing something that means something to you personally and something can be excellently written and very personal to you. But if it's not providing something to the culture, then there may not be a place for it right now. Not right now, not right now, you know, and, and, um, it's just interesting or, or take the, take the note to, for me of like really hon then honing it in. Why now? Why? What? And then tweaking it based on that. Um, but then you, on the other hand, you have a lot of shit that gets made that shouldn't be made right now. So I, I mean, there is no steadfast rule, but I think, but I think um, when in doubt, ask those questions of myself and then it'll, it oh, can definitely. only make, it can only make the thing better. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I will have to say, in case we have, I know we do have, you know, faithful listeners who listen to every episode, it, it has not been three years since you've been out that late. You were out that late recently when you went to your class reunion. Oh, you are right. The faithful. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah, I was out really late. I could late. just hear somebody because that's what I do when I listen to podcasts. If, when I find when there's something that they're saying. That's, like, go, nope, that's not true. Just said three after you. Right. Hey, let me run this by you. So 
tell me, I mean, so last time we talked, I told you all about the, what's the word for it? The, the story, the saga, the epic, the long, the lifelong story that has a new chapter in it, which is the story of me and my family and my dad mm-hmm. and my sister. And my sister died unexpectedly on, um, I think she actually died a week ago yesterday, mm. although pending autopsy right. because she was very young, 50, she would have turned 55 day before yesterday. And um, it's very weird to be mourning somebody that you haven't spoken to in 17 years, but, and, but to feel it, I, presume the same way I would be if I had I mean certainly if we had been on the phone to each other every day maybe it would have a be a different kind of hurt but it's the same kind of hurt I felt with my dad which is like okay well now it's over and one thing that you always hope for Mm -hmm. when you have difficult relationships with family members is that you just hope for change you just Mm -hmm. hope that one day circumstances are going to be different and and what was the impediment to your closeness is now gone. And then w- when they die, that's really, you really can't hope for that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Anymore. I mean, I, I think that it, it's a, it's a second kind of loss, right? So it's a loss of a dream, the loss of a hope. So you're dealing with two, um, probably many, but two definite losses, the loss of the life and the loss of the dream that you could reconnect yeah. And that is real rough and it, and it, yeah. And, and the loss of the, the things could have been, you know, maybe been different. And now that there's no hope left that they, and it's rough. It is a rough thing. And I think that's just what it is. It's hard. That's just what it is. It's hard. And, um, I have been, uh, Maybe because of my distance from her, I have had the also the distance in grieving her to say to myself, what what is it about her that I want to remember? Ah. Because <clears throat> this has happened to me twice now. When when somebody who you had conflict with dies, one of the first things that happens is whatever anger mm. you felt, it it didn't it didn't totally leave, but like it's ninety-eight percent gone right you know and and instead i want to remember about you know who who she was but i don't think she was alone in being a person who um was so bound by other people's expectations Mm. of her that i'm not totally like i don't know who she really was and I think that's because she didn't know who she really was. And I think that's because she was always beautiful. And this is something I've really learned about beautiful people is they, they, it's very limiting for them. I, I feel, especially for women, it's extremely limiting. She was a gorgeous baby and child and everybody has only ever mostly given her that feedback. So like, this has just been this continuous loop of you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, which nobody realizes inherent in that is the absence of, oh, and you're a good person and and you're smart and you're whatever. So I've been trying to figure out, okay, besides being beautiful, what was she? 
And I I don't have the answers yet. I'm hoping mm-hmm. to find out. But one way I'm I'm learning a little bit about it is when I can look at old pictures pictures of her in her childhood before all of the trauma. Mm-hmm. And I, it's more clear. Do you ever see that? Yes. You you go oh that that look in your eye I didn't know that look yes. because I was too young when you had that look but that's who I don't totally know exactly that but who that person is but I know that that's who you yes. really are yes absolutely and that was who she was I think this is it's really interesting that you're talking about like you can choose in a way how to remember somebody that is fascinating to me and it's true and but like work through because you're right it would be so easy to say uh, for people and 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 for for her like she was this she was beautiful and she was troubled like that okay and she had strained relationships but that's not really who she was that was what happened to her right Mm -hmm. um but like who she was you're right is that fire in the eye pre- trauma it's really interesting it's really interesting yeah. so maybe it's helpful if any of our listeners are out there that that are working with these issues it's like maybe try to find a a photo of the person pre whatever your their trauma was and see if that could help you know or of yourself i oh. realized um my i think i think it's okay to say my mom's sponsor when she was first getting sober encouraged her t- to get photographs of herself from when she was a little girl and put them up. And I, to tell you the truth, I was at the time I was a teenager. I thought it was really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't remembered it until just now, but that, I bet that's it. I yeah. bet part of it is just reconnect with who you were because you were born a perfect person oh. and life, you know, shaped you in these various yeah. ways. It yeah. gives you a lot of compassion. I mean, almost, I think anybody, almost anybody, but actually anybody um, c- c- comes into this life with no bad intentions, with no, you know, just wanting to like, that's weird. You come into life wanting to be the fullest version of yourself. Not not consciously, of course, but that's just, you're born with that intention. Like, just be who you are. Yeah. And then basically what you get is a series of messages about why you can't do that. Right. Or or you don't, or you have a great upbringing and you, you don't get told that, or you don't get told it very much. But I feel like my sister was told that exclusively, (laughs) like, here's who you have to be, you know? And her whole life was just this whirling dervish of like trying to be that person and feeling resentful about mm-hmm. it but then being in the cage of I think she didn't even know why she had the the cage that she had but it, it, she was definitely in this prison of expectation wow of other people's expectations of her wow. so my hope for her if there's a great beyond is that she's free from yes. other people's expectations of her and she can just be the beautiful spirit yes. that she was when she was born. Oh, that's really beautiful. <sighs> anyway, I, making a complete left turn or right okay. turn. Okay. T- 
tell me about what's been going on with you. I, I normally we have so much more um, yeah contact um, than we've had in the last couple of weeks. So. That is so true. Um, I am okay. So I finished. I, well, I'm out. I'm now on draft. I'm still working with my mentor, Don, on on hold my calls, and I'm on draft seven, maybe. <gasps> yeah. Wow. How cool. And, yeah. And so, um, and, and, and I talked a little bit about this, but, um, so I entered that contest for log lines and they picked it and then they wanted to see a full script. So I was like, okay. And, um, then I had a meeting with the woman from that company who picked the script, who, who asked to see the script. And How it, that? she's amazing. Her name, she's amazing. I will just put it out there that, uh, Nita, at Roadmap Writers, just the coolest, um, most generous. So their Roadmap Writers is like an organization that helps write, it helps screenwriters, television writers, and film writers to, um, to like get reps and, and get in the industry. It's like, that's their, and they have classes and things like that. But she, it just was really, um, I gotta say, like I've had meetings where people, where I really feel like people are lovely, but they just cannot help or they're not in the position to help. She's in a position to help and is me and, and the conversation, I walked away from the meeting feeling like it's possible to be a writer at 45, going on 46. It's possible to. So that was really lovely because inherent in a lot of the meetings that I've go on, which is, and the meetings that I've go on are usually friends of friends or like connections. It's not that, the, that I walk away feeling terrible, although sometimes I do, and that's my own shit and mixed with other shit. But mostly what it is, is like, oh, uh, they can't really forward advance my cause as a writer um, or, or, or um, they're not available. They don't want to, whatever it is, but this really felt, she just felt so um, genuine and hopeful about women writers, especially middle-aged women writers. And um, I don't know, it was a, that was a great meeting. So I don't know, nothing has happened. Like it's so interesting in this industry. It's like, it's like, I think there's so many steps and then something hits, right? So many beings like it, it, it is like, I thought it was like a couple building blocks and then you get there. There's probably a hundred, hundreds of these little blocks, these little stones. It's more like stepping stones than it is these blocks, you know? And so I feel like I'm really building towards um, something and that was a great meeting and I've had, and I had, yeah, I, 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 that was last week. And I, I've heard that by the way, so many yeah. times about in various ways, just, you think that there's once once somebody said, you think there's maybe tw- uh, t- 10 levels of yeah success in, in this industry. And really there's 10,000. I mean, that's so true. And so I feel like where I am is now realizing that like, oh, okay, uh, there are 10,000 little, little stepping stones and I'm somewhere in the middle of all that. And um, there's different levels, right? So like then you have a success here. And so I just am focusing on trying to um, get this script to the be uh, the best it can. Like that's, that's my thing. Like get it to be the best you can. And my mentor um dawn is just golden she's just goes above and beyond and she's so lovely and and i've never worked with someone who i'm 
and this speaks to me too. Like, like I've never worked with someone who I haven't been either petrified of or the opposite didn't respect. So mm-hmm. because I live in that world, I can live in that black and white thinking. So Dawn is the first mentor that I've had where I'm like, okay, I, I do, I, I do value her opinion. I do trust what she says. I, there is a level of, uh, admiration that leads to a little bit of, I don't know about fear, but it's like, I want to do good, but it's not because I'm afraid she won't love me if I, it's more, it's like healthier. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm have a healthier relationship with my mentor. It also sounds like a difference from what you've previously experienced and what I've experienced a little bit too is there's a lot of people in this industry who when they off when they purport to be offering something to you or hinting at offering something to you it's really just the way that they're leveraging hoping you'll give them something right do you know what i mean right or like or like uh right they feel like they don't really have anything to offer but the, but they're faking it till they make it like they're saying well yes. if if i if i sort of pretend like i can open certain doors for you then that will actually help me. And then you're going, I, I just know that I've been, I've had that experience many times of talking yes. to somebody who's sick. Yes, I'm, this is great. And I'm totally into you. And you being like, wow, somebody's really going to help me. And then them being like, so who do you know? Right, 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 <laughs> right. And, 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 and it, and it feels, uh, yeah, it does. It feels, it can feel desperate and like the blind leading. And then that's actually pretty ableist, but the, 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 the loss leading the lost, you know? Yeah. And like that. So I, I just feel like that is not happening, but it, nothing, it's interesting. It's like, None of this has led to any money or any offers of anything, but I still just keep going, Beans. I mean, like, that's all I can do is keep writing and keep honing. That's right. That is all you can do. And that is in the same way that auditioning is the job of an actor. This, what you're doing right now is the job. I mean, writing plus this right. is, the, is the job of a writer and you're doing it. Today on the podcast, we're speaking with Nasma Tukan. Nasma is a delightful young actress who just graduated from school um, in New York City, and she tells us what her program was like, and she also tells us what it's like to graduate in a pandemic, as well as what it's like to be an international student. So please enjoy our conversation with Nasma Tukan. Congratulations, you survived theater school. Yes, and I think you you might be the second person, but I can't remember who the first person was from the American Academy of Dramatic Art. Is that a very old school? Has that been around for a really long time? It has. It was opened up in the late 1800s, actually. And I think its original location was in Broadway. And then around the 1960s is when they moved to Midtown Manhattan around 30th Street and Madison Avenue, I think. And it's okay. also a very old building. I remember classrooms. When you look at the ceiling, it's just very ornate, very intricate decorations. And you can see where chandeliers might have hung. Oh, that's cool. But no chandeliers when you were taking voice no. speech there. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, the stairs, though, I there were a lot of stairs because it was kind of small but very tall. 
Mm-hmm. six floors and you just have to walk up and down those stairs for all your classes wow. and they were always creaking oh wow. man no elevator this is old school there were some <laughs> elevators but they were tiny one time i remember i needed to get in because i had a suitcase for acting class and I-, I can't bring that up the stairs so i went in and maybe about four people can fit in this elevator, but seven others decided to shove themselves in there. <laughs> and we get stuck between the first and second floor. And I'm no. just there panicking. I'm like, no, this is too yeah. small. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we got out quickly. <laughs> oh, good. oh, my God. Good. So uh, I don't know if you've listened at all to the podcast, but we our range of knowledge is, you know, pretty heavily skewed towards the school that we went to. We've talked to people from other schools, but we always love to hear about the ways in which other programs are different. Um, I'm assuming you did the basics, voice and speech and movement and acting, but is it anything like how, you know, at NYU, you get assigned to a certain school, you do the experimental or you do the, so is it like that? Was it like that at your school? Um, not really at our school. It was a pretty small school, a boutique school. I think my graduating class was 120, 130 students. And um, I remember my first year I went in and, you know, I felt like all colleges, like, oh, they're going to let me choose what classes I want and I got to build my schedule, but they do that for you. And, you know, first day they send out your schedules. You're a part of a section. I was in the largest group, 14 people. Like that was the largest I've been in. And you do all of your class together, acting, voice and speech, Alexander. And it was very tight knit, like acting class, I remember we started off with some Meisner techniques, you know, doing repetition work and then move on to doing it as you're doing an activity. Like someone's coming to visit you and they need to tell you something and you're trying to get something done that's urgent. Like let's say you need a big cupcakes for your niece's birthday this afternoon and you're not allowed to ask any questions. It's pure repetition back and forth. And then we moved on to like some short scenes with each other, then to group scenes in like the end of each semester as kind of a performance and rehearsal preparation. Wow. And and so you got to do, that's when you did your show. Second yeah. year. I got to do Second two year. shows. Um, the first one was Major Barbara and the second one was Comic Relief. Oh. Comic Relief. Is that, a, I, I don't know about that. That's it's a play? A, Yes, it's a very interesting one. It's taken in a futuristic world where acting profession is no longer done by humans, but by realistic (sighs) robots that you can control everything for them. And they're used for all the soap operas, all like the stuff people are always watching. Oh my gosh, is that where we're headed? (laughs) I hope not. I want to have a job. (laughs) Major Barbara. I remember Major Barbara. We did that at 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 our theater school. And I remember, yeah, Jen Didi. Yeah, Shaw is tough, right? I mean, did you you like the, the play? It was interesting. My director definitely made it all the better. Um, His name is George Heslin. Adore him. I remember first day of rehearsal, sits downstairs and he's like, if you haven't done the work, get out, do the work, come back. You have been here. You have trained. You should know how to do things by now, which I agree with. 
We have done the training. No one should be slacking. No one should be just sitting to the side of playing around while we're doing our graduation plays. Those were major. Mm -hmm. And he gave such good advice and he made sure for us, you are here, you are on the stage. It's your moment. Take it. You only got two lines. Make sure the audience doesn't forget it. Hmm. Oh, so it's a two-year program. Yes, it can be three, but in order to get into third year, you need to audition. Okay. Okay. And you didn't want to do that or? I kind, I I had already gotten my associates and I needed a break. I had Mm -hmm. jumped from high school here in Jordan where it's externals, A-levels and all of these exams right into an acting academy where I spent two years in blood, sweat and tears building up my acting and I just wanted a break. So Mm -hmm. I decided I'll just graduate, you know, take a semester off. And then I actually applied to Hunter College where I'm at now doing the theater program. Oh, oh, I missed that. Okay, great. At Hunter. Oh, I hear Mm -hmm. great things about that school. Do you like it? I'm loving it so far. I got to tour it before the pandemic hit. Literally a month before COVID hit, I got to tour it. And it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Where are you right now? Are you in Jordan? Yes, I came in the end of August is when I arrived to visit my family and I got out of self-isolation mid-September. But so that so you're doing Hunter completely online? At the moment, yes. But come fall semester, we're back to hybrid. So half of classes are going to be online and, and in person. Mm-hmm. And theater majors, a majority are in person. Okay, cool. So we're now we're dying to know about Jordan. Tell us, is what's the theater scene like? If there is one, uh, what- there is, there is. Um, I started theater here in high school because we have these things called IGCSEs, which are exams that we get from Cambridge or Edexcel in England, and we take them. So I decided to take drama as it. And that's actually what got me to realize I wanted to be an actor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It it was interesting. I got to do um, a Moliere play in junior year. And I got to do or write, actually, and perform an absurd play in my senior year. Which recommendation? You wrote wrote the play that you then were in? Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. That's brave. That's very cool. You said the recommendation was not to do what? Not to write. It's hard writing one because absurd plays, nothing makes sense. Right. Like you have Mary the Maid from the Bald Prima Donna. Donna's little girl has one red eye, one white eye, while Elizabeth's little girl has one white eye, one red. Only difference is like they're switched and it's nothing makes sense. So (laughs) trying to write that and make it good is like, um. Oh, no. It would be like garbledygook. Mine would be garbledygook is what it would be called. I do I do kind of wonder. I mean, I actually sort of like absurdist stuff, but on the one hand, it's like how do you even evaluate whether or not an absurdist play is I mean, good? I guess if it's absurd in the way that still somehow reminds you of your life. Is I, I I think that's probably your best bet because or else there's no way to judge it. Like Mary has one red eye, one blue eye. That's <laughs> yeah. I don't understand what's happening there. Or my I, I play just... was just three old women wearing their oh. bras outside of their clothes. Oh yes. One moment they're talking about the best burgers in this Indian restaurant and how, oh, she's gonna have such a lovely June wedding. It'll be spring weather and we can wear our winter coats. (laughs) That was good. And it 
it ends with us like turning and I find my dead husband has hung himself and and my friends are freaking out. They're like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, he left me this letter, but I'm really upset and crying because he made a spelling mistake in his farewell letter. I love it. (laughs) I love it. It sounds like you did a great job with your play. I tried. I tried. I was lucky to have my drama teacher and she had given me all the absurd plays she had so I could study them and kind of bring it all together for inspiration. And, and for, you know, forgive my ignorance, but I'm assuming in Jordan, there's like a whole, you have your own, te- like, there's probably a, 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 a Hollywood of Jordan. Is there? Like, kind of. Yeah. Acting here isn't as big as you would find, for example, in Turkey or in Egypt or Lebanon, mm-hmm. but we do have our acting scenes. Um, we actually have a television show here that was put on Netflix called Jin. Oh, I heard about it. Yeah, it was here. It was all the students were from a school here called Bacaloria. Excuse me. And we were meant, there was meant to be another TV show, but then COVID hit and everything was on a standstill. But we have here the Royal Film Commission. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, that's kind of the center of acting here. Fancy. What does that mean? The Royal, like, you're, are you saying that it's just one centralized uh, place that's making films? It's a, it's a, it's kind of the headquarters, I guess, for filmmaking here. Um, it's called the Royal Film Commission because Jordan is a monarchy. Mm-hmm. We have right. a king and a queen and the yep. royal family. So a lot of things here tend to go for that. And I think um, when a lot of people like come to film here, for example, when they filmed Aladdin or Star Wars, I think that that is where they went, like first the Royal Film Commission. Sure. To, kind of to like, charge of everything. right. To get the permits, do the this, do the that. Yeah. That mm-hmm. sounds really cool. So you, did you, you started acting in high school when you were taking these tests, like to try yes. to, okay. So not as a child, like, well, you're still young, but I mean, <laughs> you weren't like a kid, like a five-year-old, but it was more like when you were, reached high school years that you did. What, what did you love about it? Why did you love it? Um, so my my junior year when I did the Moliere play was really when it settled in for me. I was set as the first stage manager my drama teacher had ever had. She oh. just, yeah, I was really happy about that. And I just adored watching this play come on stage, come to life. I loved being on stage, you know, just being in the character, being to deliver someone else's story and seeing the audience's reactions to it. Or mm-hmm. when we write a comedic part, because we edited the play a little bit to fit today's audience. And I adored just hearing their laughter, their gasps, just all of their reactions and being really into this thing. Hmm. So tell us about the experience of going from from that and 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 the world of of acting that you knew from high school to uh, to the college setting. Was it very different? Was it a version of the same thing? It was on a completely different spectrum, completely different, because here it was also an examination. So, you know. Yes, you need to focus on like some acting techniques, but the main focus was on us getting our grades because it is important. A lot of colleges here and in Europe are going to look at these exams. So when I went to the U.S., you know, what I had known for acting is memorize your lines, pretend to be this character, and you're good. And I got there. And <laughs> right. I like, yeah, you don't even know how to breathe. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I think that's okay. most of us. That's most of us. I I feel like that that the same exact. I I feel like I knew a little bit, but it was like memorize your lines, you're good, and that's what a lot of people on the podcast say they thought acting was. <laughs> yes, I knew there was emotion, but I just thought pretend it. 
And then you you go to a college, like when I went to Ada, and they're just like, yeah, no, you are the character. You're not pretending to be her. You are her. I was like, oh. Was that overwhelming to you? Did you like it? I mean, because I, I, I personally felt really frustrated at the beginning, like, because I was one of these point and click type actors too. just memorize your lines and stand in your place. Did it feel overwhelming to you? It did, especially at first. Um, I just remember the teachers being like movement class, for example, the teachers just being like, do what you want, move around, make whatever sound you want, blah, 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 blah. Do it. <laughs> and I'm in a country where it's very, you know, where it's very like, keep to yourself, stay quiet. Like you, you represent your family. So you got to always be respectful. So going into that, I'm just like, but you didn't give me any directions. Like, what do you want me to do? And I remember so many breakdowns, so many breakdowns and seeing other people act and wondering, am I good enough? Like, look at them. They're doing it. And I'm just here. Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Wow. Did you have a moment where it, it, it clicked for you? In my second year, I had this amazing teacher, Zenon, for acting. And he for my scene, my I think it was my first scene of the year, he set me in Rosemary and with Ginger. And it's a, it's a very short play. My scene was, I think, around 10, 15 minutes. The play itself, maybe half an hour. And it's about these two sisters, Rosemary and Ginger. And, you know, Ginger's married. She has two kids. And Rosemary was married, but she became an alcoholic. And her and her husband are separated, divorcing. And she's in a custody battle with her children. And it's an emotional roller coaster. Like, I remember I was Rosemary. And there was a part where I was just drunk and my sister was getting on my nerves. So I made up a story to make her think that I pushed my kids off a cliff. (laughs) And I remember at first having such a hard time with this character. Like, what am I? I've never been this type of person. I'm more of the fun, loving, like I'm, I'm the innocent, like high schooler. I'm go to like, you need advice. Let's go. And like unicorns. That's like my character type. It's always been my character type. So to go to a mother that's pretending she killed her kids and is just on stage drinking, I was lost. Yeah. And he was just there to encourage me. And I remember one day in a scene, I was just like, oh, this is kind of like my secondary like breakthrough after bad juice. I was just like, wait, I feel like the character. I, I am the character. I'm not just pretending to live her life I have and I could just feel her and after that I've just felt every character I've played just kind of stitch themselves into my 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 own being my own identity yeah Yeah. kind of have a part of each of them in me that's the best way that's the best way just to bring the parts of the character that are or, or just yeah the parts of the character that are like you and kind of because that's also what your unique take is on any given character. Yeah. So this is interesting to me, the, the idea that, did you use the word proper in describing your, you, you were saying that everybody needs to represent themselves, you represent their fa- your family. Mm-hmm. Does, does that mean it, it's very proper, like formal in Jordan? Um, to a certain extent, for example, clothes you need to wear gotta be respectable not too much skin you know the way you act around public like 
especially with the women, and especially if you go to the older parts of Jordan, it's don't be so loud, be calm, and like you got to be respectable because everyone knows your last name. And once they know your last name, they know your family. Like I can, I used to go up to my grandmother if I had a crush on someone, be like, hey, this is his last name. Tell me about his family. Okay. So you don't want to bring disrespect to your parents. You want to show that you respect them and you've respected what they've taught you. But you have to act like such a fool in acting school. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that must have been a challenge. It was. It really was. I remember first getting there, like I'm there sitting back straight, shoulders back, which is really bad for you, I learned. And like, you know, I'm not to talk a lot, especially because I've always been a loud and just in your face person when I talk. So I've kind of learned, I kind of had learned to um, internalize that, not to be as loud. And when I got there, my teacher's like, make noise. Like, come on, we're we're on our backs for baby scoop. Yeah. <laughs> Roll down. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, but what if I don't want to make noise? And they're like, force yourself. And I remember one day I had gone to bed, you know, my roommates across the room has been asleep. I'm trying to fall asleep. And then suddenly I hear an exhale like, ah. and I pause. I'm like, she's asleep. Who could have done that? And then I realized it was me. Ah. my body was just like yeah we're releasing sound you, you don't even gotta think about it we got you i was like how oh, cool yeah That's it how, so it kind of sounds like you it was it was uh, a relief to be able to access that side of you it was because i had internalized so much of it because and i also don't want to disturb people especially in society not just Jordanian culture, but anywhere you are, you don't want to be loud and disrupt other people with what they're doing. You don't want to annoy them. So I had always internalized most of that because, you know, I don't want to be a bother. Right. But then, And I always just like take as little space as possible. Right. Like if I notice I'm talking too loud, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll quiet my voice. And when I went to that school, like I remember Zenon, my act, one of my acting teachers being like, yeah, when you go to bed, lay on your back and spread out take the room. It is your space. And all of my teachers, like if I'm loud, they encouraged it. They're like, yeah, be loud, make noise. And I was just like, wow, like I can really just let loose in the acting world. And it's phenomenal. That's so good to hear. I mean, that's so, must've been freeing in some way. And how is it then to return back to Jordan after all the freeingness? (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I actually have a really funny story for this. So I ha- I've been here since August and for a few months I did it's bad but I did not do any acting exercises any of like the things I've learned at school. I just kind of went on a standstill and I felt bad. So one day um my younger sister comes up to me with her something she needs to read for school and she reads better when she's hearing it. So she came up to me and she's like, "Can you record yourself reading this?" So I'm like, "Sure." And I start reading it, but then, you know, my throat tightens and I'm feeling tired. And I'm like, wait, I can just do like some voice and speech exercises. So I'm doing them. And I have this one where it's just like, let your voice out on a vibrate that my family describes as calling all lost souls. 
<laughs> and I'm doing it. And then I hear them screaming and I run out and I'm like, what's wrong? And they're on the floor laughing and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just like releasing. And they were just laughing. They were calling all lost souls. I love that. I love yeah. that. That's got to be the name of your podcast, Calling yeah. All Lost Souls. So wait, so I'm getting the idea that maybe you're somewhat of a pioneer in your family. Like you, you did, nobody else has done this, gone into acting. Nope. Okay. I'm the first. My family is very like my older sister. She works at a software company that creates banking apps right now. And my younger sister is going into the business field. You know, my dad is in business. My uncle has like a P- PhD and two masters and my cousins are all in sciences. And then I'm just here like, just calling all lost I acted souls. like a baby. Yeah. I acted like a baby in class today. Gaga goo goo. Gaga goo goo. That's my. <laughs> yeah. That's always rough to have to explain to your parents what, what they're spending their money on and you're yeah. being a baby and doing yoga. But it yes. sounds like they were, it sounds like they were, I mean, at least they let you go. I mean, you oh. went to, so they were supportive in that way in terms of even letting you go so far away. Oh, my dad was so supportive when we'd like, go out and he was with friends he's like yeah my daughter she's going to new york to be an actress oh. she got into like a really good school and he even sent me at the time i needed to audition for school he sent me to london during a school week just so i could I how was your it. audition what did you do do you do you remember what you the piece you did and how yes. were you nervous and all that oh my goodness so i remember when i applied to the school i wasn't originally going to apply i saw like all the alumni like um, Paul Rudd and um, Danny DeVito and Grace Kelly. And I was like, I'm not going to get in here, like skip. But then they sent me an application and I was like, oh, like got to give this a try. And I went to London and my audition was in the Prince of Wales. I think Prince of Wales theater, the one that had the House of Mor- the Book of Mormon. Oh, big deal. Yeah. Theater. And I'm sitting there and there are like, 10 other people in the room and I'm just like, Whew, okay, it's all good. And like everyone disappears upstairs then leaves. And so I got upstairs and it was the cutest old man I had ever seen. He's just <laughs> grinning at me. He's like, hi, are you Nasma? It's so lovely to meet you. And he was so sweet. And then I performed for him a monologue, two monologues, one from A View from the Bridge as Catherine. Uh-huh. The I'm not like when she's talking to Rodolfo and she's like, I I love Eddie. I want him to be happy, but I don't want to upset him. And I did for him marry the maid from the bald prima donna, the absurd one we were talking about a little while ago. And I just remember shaking a little while doing it. But then at the bald prima donna, as soon as I started, he started giggling. And I'm like, yeah, like we're getting there. He sounds like the nicest man in the world. He (laughs) is. I loved him. And then I remember um, talking to him for a little bit. And then he's like, could you do a cold read for me? I'm like, oh, like, sure. And then he just like gives me a little monologue to do just like a quick cold read. And it doesn't always happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And then two weeks later, I got the news that I got in. So that's also sort of unusual for us, like the idea that, I mean, it's not that anybody was mean at our auditions, but the feeling was very, you know, competitive and tough. And like, you had to sort of be on your guard. Did you find that your teachers at that school were support equally supportive and caring? 
very supportive, very caring. They, I never felt them being mean. All I ever felt with them was, I'm going to push you to be your best. And I remember my second semester for first year, my acting teacher, I was terrified of him at first. Because I had heard stories, he's strict, like, you always got to, like, listen. And if you, like, do something wrong, like, he's going to be strict on you. And I was terrified. But I got there, and he became my favorite. (laughs) He was just, he, he was just, he was strict in our work. He was strict, but in a way that I felt that I wanted to make him proud. I wanted to, I didn't want to mess up, not because I was terrified of how he would scold me, but because I wanted him to see I am taking in your teachings and I am using them because he was such an articulate teacher and not just through words, but through movement. And at times if I felt lost, I knew I could go to him and he would tell me the truth of where I'm at, what I can do. And once you do something good, he will encourage you. He will be like, I love that. Like, you were energetic. You were doing great. I see you're working hard. Keep at it. And it was great. Something that occurs to me since um, we haven't really known each other, we've talked a couple of times, uh, Mm -hmm. but it's not like we went to school together. (laughs) Something that occurs to me about you is that you have such an openness and an honestness, which, which is, are, those are very good qualities for Mm -hmm. acting. Um, are you th- are you being received the same way at Hunter? Is it are you having an equally positive experience? I know it's online, so it might be yeah. hard to say. I haven't started the acting classes yet, any theater classes, because Ada and Hunter have kind of this program to transfer credits, but I ended up emailing the wrong advisor, <laughs> so I wasn't able to get that done until now. So I can't quite talk about their theater department yet, but I've heard a lot of good things from other students. So you'll go and get your undergrad? Will that be your your BFA? Are you getting a BFA from Hunter? Yes, or? Okay. a BFA. Okay. At ADA, you just get your associate's degree. That's Great. the maximum you can go, I think. I don't know about when you enter third year, but at Hunter, I'm going to be continuing for my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. And what do you hope to do? Do you hope to stay in New York? Um, after yes. graduation, okay. I hope to stay. Try to get into the acting world. I would—that's all of our dreams, you know. Get into the acting mm-hmm. world, be in some big hit movie or television show. Get your name known. Get into as many things as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I know it's a competitive place, and I hope after being able to go into acting and doing all of these things to teach it. Okay, I would love to teach it. Everyone in my school would, I would help my drama teacher teach her younger classes. I remember this one group she gave me, um, they were doing He Who Says Yes. I think it was Brecht. And it's it's a difficult play because let's say you have the three students, it's a monotonous play. You all, all three of you got to talk at the same time, same tone, same sentence. Whoa. And that can be difficult for some students. Not everyone can perfectly memorize. And I remember her setting me up with the group having the most trouble. And she was like, please, you take this group and that other group is fine. Just check on them. I'll be with the third in the theater. And working with them for an hour and the pride I felt when I saw them get it the the way they should, when I saw them excited to do it was amazing. And once I'm done with my time in the acting world, I would love to help others get into it. Love to help others mm-hmm. learn about it and just experience it. 
That's beautiful. Is everyone, it's so beautiful. Is everyone in your family so positive? Like, how did you get this <laughs> attitude that's so, I'm serious. You're so like, you're so positive. Where do you think that comes from? Thank you. Uh, I think I definitely got it from my mother. She was a teacher too. And she was just the sweetest soul you would have ever met. She was always smiling. She was always so kind and generous. And I want to live up to be that. I want to live up to be just like she was. She, so you'll she, have to get a math. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bye. Did she pass away? Yes. When I was 15. Oh, mm. Wow. That's wow. rough. That's a young age to have to lose your mom. It is, but I'm not too upset. She's, I'm a firm believer in my religion. I follow Islam. So I firmly believe she's at peace. She is happy. She is with her family, with like her parents and her aunts and her grandmother. And she's just happy. That's all I could ask for. Yeah. That's what they say. They say we're the ones have, they feel sorry for us living on the, living on earth, right? Yes. I heard that quote once. I forgot where exactly, but it said, pity the living, not the dead. Yeah, because the dead yeah. are resting, but we're the ones yeah. that have to deal with it after. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you'll have to get your master's degree then if you want to be a teacher, or, or are you saying you want to teach at the college level, or you want to teach younger kids? I'm not sure yet. I was planning on getting my bachelor's with a minor in education, wow. kind of okay. see how things go, and if I really feel that teaching is my passion, go back for my master's because I'd love to teach high school level. Because I feel mm -hmm. a lot of high schoolers, when they go into an acting college, they don't know what to expect. Right. Because high school doesn't really prepare you for the big acting world. And I'd love to give them that stepping stone that I didn't have to make that transition easier. Wow. Yeah, that's true. There's a big divide between, I would say, maybe like 80% in the United States, in, in any case, maybe 90% of high school drama programs are just, it's like the English teacher or it's like somebody that they just said here, teach acting. And right. it's not that they don't know anything. It's just, but then we, we interviewed somebody who is a, an actor and he teaches at uh, the high school and also um, junior high level. And he, he takes a very, he takes a conservatory style approach mm -hmm. uh, to teaching his students. And many of them have gone on to, to be actors, whereas, you know, it probably wouldn't have been that way otherwise. So there's a lot to be said for your high school experience being, yeah. you know, informed by somebody who really knows what they're talking about. Totally. It is. I, yeah. I think that there's a, um, if I think that if, if kids want to go to a conservatory, I think it would behoove them also I was thinking to visit conservatories and see what is going on there because it's not like memorize your lines and stand there and I I think I wish I had I wish I had done a lot of things differently but one of them was do more research 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 on yes. what and with the internet it's possible to see like oh I would like this approach oh I would like because when I showed up at NYU oh my gosh to audition and they said what school do you want to be in and I said your school and they said no no <laughs> which, which which program at NYU and I said uh the one they said you know we have all these different schools and I literally said 
something stupid like the one that's the most fun. I I, I don't know what I, I. And they were like, you haven't researched our schools, like the Atlantic, the this, the roundabout. I'm like, nope. Oh I, god. Oh no. But at the same time, I think that was a helpful experience for you because you learned. <laughs> like, I mean, that was not. And people of all the thing good things I hear about NYU, I don't hear anybody saying it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I hear yeah. People saying it was really intense. It was really re- yes. and it, and the way that you get kind of put into I hate that idea, by yeah. the way, that you just get put into a box and then that's all you learn because I, I, very few people anymore do you meet who say, I'm just the method or I'm right. just Meister. Like everybody does an eclectic thing and that's yes. what you can get if you go to a school. I, yeah. I I love the fact that you found joy in acting in high school and it continued at your college, you know, at your at your mm-hmm. program, that the joy wasn't definitely sucked out in any way of acting. <sighs> that they didn't it sounds like it was fun. There were times where there was some joy sucking. I mean, it's a very intense program to go into acting because you're very raw. You're very – like I remember at one day I was doing a play. um, I think it was Playground Injuries. I was doing a scene and it was a funeral, post-funeral scene. And I I had my partner, you know, we were doing our acting and I'm like I'm supposed to be in the wake room where like my dead father is in his casket. And then I remember my teacher pausing us and me like, okay, where is your father's casket? And I'm like, it's the fourth wall where the audience is. And she's like, okay, grab some blocks, sets them up, points at it. This is your dead father. Goes back and, you know, with like my past history of family loss, it brought out a lot. And, you know, days like that, I was just like, do I want to continue ripping myself emotionally like this? But then... It also helps so much because I remember also in some classes, you had to be barefoot, like voice and speech. You had to be barefoot, get to it. And I remember seeing grown men from the military sobbing their hearts out over a poem about their voices. And it's something that I feel like you need to make sure you're in the right place emotionally to go through. And you need to make sure you have a good support system. Like my teachers, I'm so thankful. There was such great supports. You know, they never, if they felt I was, I didn't fully express everything in a scene, they're like, scream, go ahead, scream here, throw this, get your emotions out, relax yourself. You need to bring yourself out of this after the scene to make sure you take care of yourself. Wow. Yeah. That's was our mental health. Are they are mostly you, you teachers at that school working actors still or do or some yes. of them? Yeah, I think that makes a big difference. I think that's no. a huge difference because as much as I, I enjoyed some of our teachers and a lot of our teachers, none of them, as far as I know, were like working professionals in the field still of acting, like actors mm-hmm. on stage or actors in movies. And, and it helps to have people that are uh, still working teaching. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of our teachers were still in the field or had just recently retired from the field. Like I remember um, one of my acting teachers, the one I had before we went into our play second year was David Dean Bottrell. And he actually has a book on acting. And I remember biggest thing I say to get people to be like, wow, he was on iCarly. (laughs) (laughs) this is how i knew people would like get the like oh your school was made like your school's good (laughs) 
And like he wasn't a lot of them weren't just in the point of, yeah, you just gotta do this, get a move on. They were at a point where they were sharing their own personal experience to connect with us. You know, they see us having a hard time, they'll talk about one of their times, they'll talk about like, I get what you're coming from. Like my guess is this is how you feel and here are some ways you can work through this or if you need to talk, like, come to me after class. We can set up time. We can, like, you can vent to me. I'm here for you. Yeah. I feel like that's very important in an acting school because a lot of us, as we said earlier, are coming in with no idea what's going on. And if we do, we are very, very lucky to have an idea because a lot of us are at a disadvantage. A lot of us are coming from small towns or at a place where we were expected to become lawyers or corporate people and we're suddenly here in acting. Right. Would you teach in Jordan? Would you go to stay in New York City to teach, do you think? If, or Jordan or where? Or are you just like, this, the world's my oyster. I'll teach anywhere. I've definitely debated mainly teaching in the U.S. It's it's a place I want to say it. It's a place where I feel like I can do a lot because there's more opportunity. I mean, mm. as I say, U.S., the place of opportunities, the land of opportunity. So I'd love to go there. But one day I would enjoy coming here or at least going to England because that's where we do all of our exams from. That's where we get it and kind of see what I can do there to make it better, to get these people to actually act. Because I remember a lot of students in my class were just in it because it's supposed to be an easy A. Um, like our, our teacher just tells me, walk here, there, I'm going to get the A. Done. I'd love to change it in a way that's you're passionate about this. Cause I was the only one who stayed my senior year. I was the only person. And even for my play, I had to recruit two non drama students in order to get it done. They all left. Everyone left. They all dropped. As soon as we finished grade, ele- grade 11, our junior play, they were just like, yeah, we're dropping. And I was the only one who stayed. Wow, that's a unique experience. So is Hunter, to your knowledge, uh, uh, going to spend any time sort of talking to you about what your post-college career situation is going to be? Because one of the things that we talk about a lot on here is just all of us feeling like you didn't learn some of the most important parts about making a living as an actor until you were just for, forced trial by fire to to do it after you graduated. So do you have a yeah. sense of what Hunter's approach is to that? Um, I'm not quite sure. I know my advisor, she's pretty good with keeping contact with me and being like, hey, like this is what's going on. This is what you need to do. But I'm personally not too worried because they prepared me at Ada. They told me, like, this is what today's acting world is like. They would give us mock auditions with stage, ma- with like, not stage managers, um, agencies and stuff like that. And um, I remember they, they're the ones that were like, these are headshots. This is what you need to do. We're going to, like, set up flyers, set up a fair so you can find someone to get your headshots. Be warned, these are the prices. If you change your haircut, like I've got bangs since my last headshots were taken, my headshots are now null and void. I need to get new ones because they need to know what to expect. And, you know, they helped us set up actors access accounts, like how to build it up, help us with a resume. And we had um, career plan classes where they like taught us what your career as an actor is going to be like. You know, they would tell us their own stories and it was 
it was really well preparing us. I like literally want to go to this school right now <laughs> as a 45 year old, just to, just, just to get the experience sort of like a corrective experience of like mm-hmm. what it would be like to, to, to learn. Well, wow, it's only two years, right? Yeah. And you can go in at any age. I remember yeah. one of my castmates <laughs> in my, in my graduation place, she was 50. And she wow. was phenomenal. Like, I Tina, love let's Moni. go. Let's do it. <laughs> I could do it for two years. Why not? <laughs> there are two campuses, though. There's a New York campus and an L.A. campus. And I know each one does things a little differently. Okay. Well, she's in L.A. I'm in New York. We could we could make something we happen. We swing it. We could swing it. <laughs> so um, one of the major things that we didn't feel like we understood until many, many years after is you know, uh, marketing ourselves, like figuring out what our essence is, what thinking of ourselves, even though I, this is such a crude term, thinking of ourselves as a product that we have to try to sell. Um, do you have any sense of that for your own self and like what's going to separate you from the rest? We were helped with that. We were, I remember our teachers were helping us figure out what is your cast type? Like, when a person looks at you, what are they going to cast your role as? And I remember we actually had an exercise in class, a homework where we have three papers that, and we had to give it out to people and they like kind of circle what they see us as. Wow. And the thing I got most was girl next door. Um, you know, the sweet girl, a high schooler, the one that like, it's going to be bacon cupcakes for you all. And it's just going to be hyper and like, hi, everybody. Like, let's all love each other. Let's like, have a good time. We're all happy. (laughs) Captain Unicorn. Captain Captain Unicorn. Unicorn. (laughs) Maybe I should make, maybe I should change that to my acting actor's name, Captain Unicorn. (laughs) Captain Unicorn. Unicorn and Unicorn and roses. Um, but, so did you did you agree with that? Did you feel like, yes, that is me. I can embrace this. This is my essence kind of a thing. Or how do you feel about that? At first, I didn't. Because at first, I was like, I want the serious roles. I want to be taken seriously, which I feel all of us wanted. Because, you know, you just hear these people being like, wow, this like actor was in this serious movie, like any movie with um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, you're just like wow! It's such a serious movie. He does great. Look at this phenomenal. And I felt yeah. like that's what I need to get into. But after time and seeing different forms of acting, I'm just like, no, like all acting is hard. And in my opinion, comedy is the hardest. Like if you can oh, do one thousand percent, yeah, you're you're yeah. on a pedestal in my opinion. So after some time and some, you know, going through the school and hearing the stories and doing it myself at school, I just realized, no, like, this is something I can do easily. And, you know, plan is get my foot in the door first, then try to kind of expand, kind of like, um, oh, what was his name? Comedy actor Jim. Carey. Carey. Thank you, Jim Carey. How long has he done comedy? And he's just recently been in a drama film. Yeah. Put himself yeah, there he's first. He's good. He's, he's good so good. But never something he would have been able to achieve 10 years ago. They would not have let him because comedy is your type. But yeah, once I mean, he got in there, let's yeah, expand. He, I think that that's a, a, a patience game, a long mm-hmm. game. Looking at this career as a long game. This is a long game. And I never knew that. And so I think if there's a way to tell like young people, in, and you're like you feel, which is, look, get your foot in the door and make some dough to pay your rent 
and then <laughs> and embrace what people see you as. Just totally embrace it. Don't fight against it. If if you fight against, and then and then and then um, get some power and create your own situation. But like I think. I think as, as, as sort of harsh as it is to hand someone a piece of paper and say, see how you see me, right? See, it's, it's helpful because I, what I was doing was fighting against what people saw me as. It does not help you in this, in this commercial industry, in the film and TV and commercial world. Theater, maybe another story, but like, I feel like, do you feel like they did a good job at your school of combining the sort of theater actor and then how to make a living actor? Like they, they, yes. they should, okay. That's yes. great. We, we mainly, we were mainly trained in theater because one thing they taught us is it's very easy going from theater to film, but it's very difficult going from film to theater because in theater you've got to project, you're kind of using your body as an instrument and you're pushing it all the more. While in film, it's you've got a mic stepped up to you. You can do this take multiple times, so it's okay if you mess up. And we had our we had our camera times. You know, um, we had um, what was the name of the class? Camera technique, where we would do self tapes. They taught us how to self tape, and we would do like mi- like a one minute short movie where it's just like a quick scene of something going on. And it was very helpful on kind of getting to know both worlds. And they told us like. While you're trying to get in, they taught us union, non-union. They taught us like make sure you like have a job on the side because you're you're not getting money in acting unless you're in something like Friends or Harry Potter. Right. You know those you keep on getting money, but other stuff not as much. Right. So it's good to always have like that job and like backup money in case what you're doing right now isn't working out for a while. Yeah, I didn't feel prepared. I was like, I thought. I don't know what I thought. I just thought, okay, it's going to be fine. And like, here we go. It, and it was not fine. And I learned from it, but it was, yeah, it sounds like you got, I mean, all this to say you got such a well-rounded education and I'm hoping that, that Hunter <laughs> continues that. Yeah. I'm like uh, talking to, so the difference I'm going to say, be, the major difference between sort of the, the generation that we came up with versus the generation now is, I, I feel like with our, us, it was sort of, well, just roll the dice and just see, <laughs> like, just, just yeah. see if it works out. They were just like, I mean, how's that it? The law of odds says, you know, one of you is going to win one time um, versus, <laughs> versus, yeah, it, there's this, there's this element of randomness to it. So you can't control everything, but the things that you can control, that's what you should be focused on. Like, you know, how you use your, you know, make the best out of your instrument and how you make the best out of advertising yourself. That, mm-hmm. that seems to be the main difference. Yeah. And like go boldly in the direction of embracing who you are as yes. a, a performer. Like go boldly in that direction. You're the crazy neighbor. Like just do it. great. Do be that crazy. I wish someone had said that to me. You're going to be like the wacky, crazy two-liner <laughs> neighbor. And I know you don't, you may not want to hear that, but that's your jam for a while. And I would be like, like oh maybe mm-hmm. i can make make maybe i can make peace with that and then really hone it and then be the best damn wacky neighbor and book every single wacky neighbor role <laughs> until i can be like jim carrey and then do something else but i yeah it's just a different way of looking at it it's just a different way of looking at it 
It is. And it's rough because I feel like it's not just accepting you as what character you can be, but it also really helps you accepting you as yourself. Because I remember complaining to my friends, I look younger than I am. I remember coming back here at the airport. They thought I was 14 and I'm 21. (laughs) So I know I'm going to be cast as someone younger for a really long time. And that was always difficult for me to accept because it just shows to me in real life too, no one's going to take me seriously. Everyone's going to view me as this like cute little thing and that's it. But once you accept your typecast, I feel like it just brings a whole new level of accepting yourself too and loving yourself because wow, me looking and like acting younger is really going to give me like money one day in the industry. Like I'm fine with it now. Absolutely. (laughs) And also now, because something that people don't necessarily know is when they're casting for a late teenager, high school age, um, they would, if they, if they have a choice between an actual 14 year old and a 18 or 19 or 25 year old that looks 14 they're gonna they're go always with the gonna show yeah because the there's no limits about the uh how how many hours you can work mm-hmm. in a day and all that kind of stuff so yeah and we're not gonna you, change as much i mean look at stranger right. things phenomenal show show adore all of the actors but the writers and you know everyone doing the show is gonna have a bit of a rough time especially with covid pause because they're growing you know, the difference between season two and season three, how I they know. Look, their age is crazy. It's so crazy. Now imagine what it's like with the whole year pause due to COVID and that's going to be rough on them. But when you're using older people, like I'm going to look the same for a couple of years, yeah. they can mm-hmm. milk that out of me. If, if, I, if I get some more wrinkles, they can just like do some makeup or some like special effects trick to make that all disappear. Yes, casting director for Stranger Things. If you are listening if you're to this, listening. that's what is available. Carmen Cuba. It's Carmen Cuba. Oh, that's she, right. That's right. She, she'd be great. You'd be great. Um, I just, yeah, and I think that if I had, uh, it, it, I went to war with myself when I graduated theater school and I went to war with the industry for getting angry that they were seeing me in a certain way instead of just saying, all right, acceptance. Acceptance really is the answer to so many things. And if you can't accept, if I couldn't accept it, I needed to do something else, which is what I did. And now mm-hmm. I'm back because I've accepted. So it's interesting. It's just such an interesting thing. Are you, what about um, like agents and representation? Are you waiting till you get, like till this COVID thing is over to try to get agents or how? I, (laughs) it's been on my mind a lot ever since I came back here. Cause I came back here hoping like I wouldn't be here too long. I'll be back for like spring semester and then airports were shut down we had like a week long like pure lockdown and like a lockdown every friday 7 p.m curfews and it was rough and it was rough seeing like everyone i graduated with getting commercials getting agencies getting booked and i'm hoping when i get back kind of see how everything is like kind of test the waters a little see am i ready to look for an agent now while I'm at school or do I want to take that time finish school finish like perfecting myself as much as I can and then going into it yeah I not I at the risk of giving advice that I shouldn't give I would just say like your instinct to stick with forming yourself and learning years and pushing the agent thing till after I think that's a good instinct because Mm -hmm. 
you ultimately you really not bringing anything to the table until you've done all that work. I mean, not not like you have to be fully fleshed out before you start working. <laughs> Just like any bit more along that path, you can be. Uh, you're you're better off. And it I helps agree. your agent all the more. They know True. better how to market you basically how to like go to these casting directors or to these castings and be like yeah like she is perfect for this role this is right. how she is so she would be great for this specificity <laughs> i love the, the idea of getting super specific <laughs> about things instead yeah. of this because i had this general vague sense of like oh this is who i am it was not good <laughs> so specificity <laughs> is like the the key i think to a lot of happiness as well agreed agreed so we're gonna have to wrap up here but if there was any uh thing else you wanted to talk to us about any story you've told us some great stories if there's any other anecdotes you want to get in now's the time um let me think oh now you pull me out of the spot <laughs> you can yeah, also you, you, can say, no, you can say i'm good i have a funny story of when i was ushering at my school for a play oh yes okay. So I personally wasn't in the theater. I was out working. But um, during the break, one of my like coworkers comes to me and just sits exasperated on the chair. And I'm like, hey, what's wrong? And she looks at me and she's like, so up in like this, the MM theater where it's like a circular theater. So if you get off your chair, you're on stage. There was this one woman passed out. She's like... <laughs> At the other end from where the exit is, passed out, sleeping, and she has so many bags on her and, like, shopping bags and, like, plastic bags and stuff. And then she just suddenly wakes up, gets up, walks on stage as they're yes. acting, and it's like a kitchen setup. And she walks through that kitchen into backstage, oh comes God. back out, and is just standing in the middle of the stage as they're trying yes. to act. <laughs> and This I is remember, real life. Yes. yes. And not to mention, you find people like I once found someone with a whole cereal box in the audience eating during a performance. <laughs> and then, like, yes. oh, during break, like during intermission, I was just like, um, sir, yeah, you, you can't have that. <laughs> a this, box this is of cereal. <laughs> people feel like they're at, I mean, you know, increasingly with entertainment being so available constantly, people just feel like they're at home when they're totally. in any given situation and they start to treat, I mean, people taking off their shoes. <sighs> it's gross. I mean, keep your shoes on, eat your cereal at your house. Just right. watch the show. And I mean, if you have show. to sleep, sleep, do it quietly. Yeah. but don't like don't like yeah don't bring your home into into our <laughs> yes. theater please yeah well, I mean, it makes for interesting stories so yes <laughs> that's true that's true where would we be without them well this has been wonderful thank you so much I, I really appreciate me. your I appreciate your energy I appreciate your perspective and uh, we'll be watching you we'll be yep. loving to see where you where you go thank Yay. you and thank you so much for having me here today of course If you liked what you heard today, please give us a positive five-star review and subscribe and tell your friends. I Survived Theater School is an Undeniable Inc. production. Jen Bosworth Ramirez and Gina Polici are the co-hosts. This episode was produced, edited, and sound mixed by Gina Polici. For more information about this podcast or other goings-on of Undeniable Inc., please visit our website at undeniablewriters.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you. Thank you.